You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church, New Albany. The great theologian Augustine of Hippo once said that in the Old Testament, the new is concealed. In the new, the old is revealed. When we think of the messianic prophecies from this perspective, we see that the Old Testament whispers to us about the coming of the Messiah. Join us during our Advent sermon series titled Rumors of the Messiah, where we confirm the whispered prophecies of the Old Testament that told of the birth, suffering, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do my best to not cry. Uh, Okay, so (laughs) my name is Lachlan Coffey. Gosh, it's been to, I don't know, whenever this stupid COVID thing started, I haven't, pre- I haven't been on stage for this long. It's so bizarre. Um, so it's, I'm thankful to be back. I'm thankful to be healthy and safe and to see your all's beautiful faces. So thank you guys. Um, my sisters and I, we grew up, we didn't have a lot. Uh, we kind of struggled as a family. I mean, my parents, they both worked very, very hard, but we just got a lot in life that we just always struggled. We were always kind of like scraping uh, to make ends meet. But around Christmas time, I felt like the our struggles sort of disappeared. You know, I turned into this sort of Norman Rockwell, Jingle Jangle, FAO Schwartz kind of kid that just was, you know, amazed by the merriment of Christmas. And do you know the thing that kicked off Christmas for our family, for me personally? It wasn't, maybe it kicked off for your Christmas season as well. It was not Thanksgiving, uh, as you might have guessed. It wasn't Christmas tree decorating. No, what kicked off Christmas for me was the arrival of a seasonal beverage at Kroger, all right? It often showed up a few weeks just before Thanksgiving. It was located in the dairy aisle and is still to this day one of the worst named Christmas consumables, maybe just consumables of all time. Some of you guys are thinking eggnog. Nay, you are wrong, all right? I like variations of eggs. I like eggs scrambled. I like eggs Benedict, eggs Florentine. I don't like the nog version of eggs, all right? It's weird, it's strange. I don't know. Uh, it sounds like something that's part of like, you know, witch's brew. <laughs> uh, so anyway, what incarnation of chilled beverages am I re- referencing here? I submit to the congregation, and you guys can agree or disagree, please don't throw tomatoes, the purest Christmas indulgence known as boiled custard. Boiled custard. Do I have some boiled custard lo- lovers in the room today? I knew this was gonna happen. Time to convert, all right? This dreamy drink is a delectable delight, Sojourn, all right? And I know, it's got two strikes from the very beginning here. Number one, its name is Boiled Custard, all right? I don't know who named it. It's very strange. I do feel like the marketing team was out for lunch when it, you know, it was like, you know, hey, Bob, what do you want to call this? I don't know. It's got, I know custard. It's got a very custard feel. Uh, I need a good descriptor, Bob. Uh, well, it's liquid, it's creamy. Uh, boiled. <laughs> I have no idea why it's called boiled. Okay. Number one, so number one, that's the problem. The name is not too strong. Number two, strike against boiled custard. Scientists estimate between 30 and 50 million Americans are lactose intolerant. This bovine beverage is your kryptonite if you are lactose intolerant. This is something that if you drink, you don't want to get cocky and go out to Bass Pro Shop thinking it's all it's going to be good. You need to quarantine at home and just... Let it simmer down now, all right? So that's number two strike. I haven't found the third strike, guys. This drink is amazing, all right? You gotta have it. I'm highly encouraging you to try it. 
And I grew up every year waiting for boiled custard to show up in, in, at Kroger. I would beg my mom weeks before Thanksgiving, let's go, let's go. And I would always like run to the aisle and be disappointed if, if it wasn't there. I, I loved it. I told everyone, just like I'm telling you about it. I told everyone about boiled custard. It was a little bit obnoxious. But as time got on, went on, I got married. I had kids, careers, you know, house maintenance, just the trappings of life. And suddenly, and unbeknownst to me, I just kind of stopped drinking boiled custard. It just happened. And a few years ago, it had dawned on me that it had been years and years since I drank boiled custard. And I kind of, you know, tripped over it at uh, Kroger one day, right around Thanksgiving. And I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot. I love this stuff. And I brought it home. And now it's a staple in our home every year. And our kids love it. I can only drink like a smidge of it because uh, I, you know, it's not good. Um, <laughs> but now it's a Christmas staple in our home again. So why do I tell you guys this story? Um, you know, let me, let me talk about it from a different way. Um, are you guys familiar with the, there's a YouTube channel called Dude Perfect, all right? Dude Perfect. If you're not familiar, if you have little kids and they watch YouTube of any sort, you definitely know what Dude Perfect is. But I'll tell you if you don't know. Dude Perfect is basically five guys, five best friends. They live in Texas, and they are known for doing trick shots. You know, can you throw a basketball from a roof and make it into the basketball hoop? Can you throw a paper towel? roll onto like a paper towel holder from like 20 feet away? Uh, can you flip a water bottle on top of a water bottle? You know, you know, blow your mind. Uh, that kind of stuff. When these Dude Perfect uploaded this video in 2009 onto YouTube, you'll see some of the clips right here from their first video. And the thing just took off like wildfire. It just took off. And now they're one of the tw one of 20 most subscribed channels in the world. Dude, perfect, all right? They have 56 million uh, subscribers. Just to put that into context, Indiana has 6.7 million people that live in Indiana. That is eight Indianas subscribing to Dude Perfect. You know, not just watching Dude Perfect, hitting the button. You know, I, who hits the, I don't subscribe to it, but I'm old. Um, so yes, they're huge, they're huge. So Terry and I, we're always aware of what our kids watch and we try to make sure they're, you know, they're not watching anything inappropriate, that kind of thing. And I didn't know that much about Dude Perfect, except that they were insanely popular and they were family friendly, meaning they don't cuss. It's like family friendly content, that kind of thing. Well, all of a sudden we found out they were coming to Louisville back in October, just a couple months ago. And we said, let's go, let's surprise the kids. So we surprised our kids and brought them to see Dude Perfect at the Yum Center. It was like a variety show sort of thing. And there was like 10,000 people there. It was crazy. Um, it was this huge event. And what those goobers did on that day deeply, deeply affected me. It wasn't like the cool trick shot sort of stuff that they, they're known for. What deeply affected me wasn't the banter between them. It wasn't even like how they got the crowd kind of involved. It was what happened at the very end of the show. Um, all of a sudden, at the very end, they all came out, they did a big bow, and one of the Dude Perfect members, his name is Tyler, Tyler said, hey, uh, we're gonna, in a second, we're all gonna step off stage. We're gonna go catch our breath, get some water, and then we're gonna come back out. And for anyone that wants to stick around, we're gonna talk about why we are who we are, why we do what we do, and then we wanna pray with you. And I didn't know this about them at all, that this was like part of this thing. And so then they, they took off, and then, you know, I don't know, 5% of the crowd left, but most people stayed, including uh, myself and my family. 
And sure enough, Tyler, to his word, they all came back out. And he, he just started by saying, um, and I don't remember the exact details of everything he said, but he essentially shared that the adventures and the success the dude perfect had was because of what Christ has done in their life. And he went on to say that all five members of dude perfect are saved um, through Christ by God. Um, and he was thankful for that. And he just proclaimed the gospel, the good news that Christ wants a relationship with anyone that would make him Lord of their life. What he said, it wasn't particularly revelatory for me. It wasn't even like it was like that articulate, uh, to be honest, if I'm blunt. Um, but what it was, it was honest and it was sincere and authentic. Um, it was a simple reminder to all listening that day that Jesus is Lord and his invitation is very clear to make him Lord of our life. Something sitting in those seats at Yum Center hearing these, those words, something stirred in me. It was freeing. It was like, it was liberating. It was like stumbling back onto my love of boiled custard. I felt like I was stumbling back onto my love of God. I've been a Christian now for, you know, more, way more than 30 years, but I felt like I was hearing something anew and I just wept. Terry was affected the same way. And we both just sat there and wept like tears of joy. So what was going on there that was so deeply affecting to us? I'm going to come back to that in a moment. I would imagine all of us are familiar with the Christmas story. You know, uh, there's no room for you in the end. There's mangers and donkeys and, you know, swaddling clothes, all that. We, we all know the Christmas story. But what if I told you that there's a different perspective on the same Christmas story of maybe a perspective that you haven't heard before that you didn't know, and it's in the Bible? Same story, just a little different angle to look at it. It's found in Revelation 12, and it's a peek behind the spiritual curtain um, during the birth of Jesus. Now, just to make the context clear, the book of Revelation is literally a revelation. It's a revealing to the author. The author's name is John. John, most scholars believe that John is John the apostle, like one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, John. Um, and we're not given specifics, but suffice it to say, John is given a very unique view into history and into the future even. He sees the past, the present, and the future, but he doesn't see it with earthly context, you know, the things we could see and hear. He sees what's going on beyond the things that, that we don't see, that we don't hear. John is given a, a unique view. And all of a sudden in Revelation 12, we find John has a front row seat at the birth of Jesus, but it's behind that spiritual curtain, what's beyond that. So, Revelation 12, there's much more going on here than dirty stables and frankincense, golden myrrh. Let's read this. Um, then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of st 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant. She cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns with seven crowns on his head, heads. His tail swept away one third of the stars in the sky and he threw them to earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. 
Church, I have seen Charlie Brown Christmas many times, and this is not it, all right? A very complicated cosmic dragon standing at the foot of Jesus as she's giving, I mean, at the foot of Mary as she's giving birth to Jesus, ready to eat Jesus, all right? And suddenly, when it's almost about to occur, the dragon's almost about to snatch up Jesus, he's whisked away to God and his throne. So hang with me for a second, because I know this sounds like absurd, you know, but it doesn't take a giant leap of faith, Christian or non-Christian, to, to realize that there's much more going on behind the scenes than what we're aware of, all right? So this is just one peek behind the scenes a bit where we see this. So the passage goes on. Then there was war in heaven, and the angels fought against the dragon and, and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. So in sleepy Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary are giving birth to Jesus, but this is far from a silent night, an all-out war has erupted in the heavens. And the dragon here has a name, Satan. And don't miss how the author describes the dragon, the one deceiving the world. We're gonna come back to that in a moment. The passage goes on to describe Satan's epiphany. He realizes all of a sudden that it's fruitless for him to try to chase down um, Jesus because God's got Jesus up on his throne and he ain't going there. So then he turns to a new target. It's a predator finding a new prey. And we find out a few verses later what that new prey is in verse 17. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. The dragon, Satan, becomes obsessed with a new pursuit, and that is the pursuit of you and of me, especially for anyone who lives with Jesus as king. You see, I don't know about you, but it's been a couple of challenging years. I think most of us would agree. We got this, if I could just call Stupid COVID-19. Can I say stupid? I think it's so stupid. I hate it with all my heart. That's not a statement, by the way. Just all of it, stupid. I hate it. Um, politics, careers, income, social media. It's just been a tough couple years. And this passage in Revelation 12 refers to Satan as the one deceiving the whole world. And what I want to say here is not a political statement in any form or fashion, so please don't read into it too much. Just take my words at, for what they are exactly. How is Satan using all these various distractions to deceive the world? How is Satan using all these various distractions to deceive you, to deceive me? Sojourn, are we taking our prize off the prize, our, our eyes off the prize here? There's this awesome passage in 2 Corinthians chapter four. It says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now, they're gonna soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. So sitting there at the Yum Center, hearing a brother in Christ proclaim the gospel, I felt like it was God reminding me to personally wake up. These last couple of years, my gaze, my focus, it hasn't been enough on things I cannot see, see and way too much on things I can see. 
God calls that out in Corinthians, that passage that we just read. He says, stop focusing on this. This is all temporary. It's all gonna be gone. It's all fleeting, just like we've been talking about in our Ecclesiastes series a couple months ago. So stop dwelling on it, Lachlan. And so I wept at the Yum Center, reminded of who I am in Christ, that I am his and he is mine. I was reminded of the simple call of my life to love God and love others. The world is quite complicated. It can be easily overwhelming. In reference to this cosmic Christmas story, we find in Revelation 12, there's an awesome author named Philip Yancey. He says this quote, from God's viewpoint and Satan's, Christmas signals far more than the birth of a baby. It was an invasion, the decisive advance in the great struggle for the cosmos. Wars have been waged over money, over property. Wars have been waged over power, over oil. But this war, the greatest conflict in human history is over us. Make no bones about it, church. The enemy would like nothing better than to take your eyes off of Christ and just slowly lull you to sleep, being distracted with the things of this world. I'm reminded of the passage in 1 Thessalonians. It says, for you you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. So 20 years of serving Sojourn in some form, I was an accountant, missions, uh, started the youth group, all this stuff. I almost, I tried to name Sojourn, as some of you all may, have, may know. I tried, I was not, I did not vote for Sojourn. I voted for uh, Solomon's Colonnade, the most syllables you could have <laughs> in a church name. <laughs> it did not stick. We went with Sojourn instead for the better, all right? But I've had the privilege of marrying some of you I've had the privilege of being with you as your kids are born, being with you in mourning for some, um, trying to care for people as best I can. Um, and it's been an honor. And, you know, as we talked about today, we're, you know, I'm going to step back from that. And nothing's salacious, nothing scandalous, all right? So if you're looking for something, I don't, you'll be bored. Uh, but I'm just stepping down and quite honestly, it's just time. I just feel, I've tried to live my life with whatever God would call for me. I tried to just do, and I felt like God was just saying, it's time, Lachlan, it's time. So I'm stepping back and as I've reflected over this transition, I had asked Bobby and Jonah if it would be okay if I preached. I wasn't on the schedule or anything, but I just felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to share some parting thoughts. And it's this, church, I think it's strange times that we live in as Christians. And I believe it, that it's gonna become stranger. Sojourn at its very core means that we're wanderers in this world, but we're not wanderers just aimlessly. We know where our home is. We're wandering with a purpose. And I believe that we are going in this world, I can see where the winds are blowing here. This is, I don't know if this is a prophetic word or what. <laughs> it's a hint of charismania there. But I, I, believe that we are going to feel more and more like foreigners in this world. And my word to you is take heart, take heart, hold fast to who we are. I think in many ways, Christians are becoming more and more pressed on every side. I think Christians are feeling confused, feeling persecuted, struck down. 
And I've, I've read this whole book. There's no promise that those things are not going to come. It's almost a certainty that those things are going to come. But here's what this word does say. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Here's that verse, verse 18 again. We just talked about it. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the troubles we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So sojourn, don't be fooled by the things of this world. Don't be fooled by the things of the world. The dragon would like nothing better than to pull your eyes off of Christ. But keep your hand on the plow. Hold the line. Faith does not have to be complicated. I think we've, we're in this world where it's making it so complicated. It doesn't. Love God, love others, read your Bible, continue to walk like Jesus with the fruits of the Spirit being a clear marker of who you are proclaiming yourself to be. That's it. Love God, love others, and hold fast. The dragon's plan on Christmas morning was totally thwarted by God's greater plan. And he would take another attempt over 30 years later on Good Friday. He would go after Jesus again to devour Christ, to ravage his body. And God put a plan together that would thwart him again, unbeknownst to the devil. And that would be that body that he ravaged was poison for the, the dragon. Three days later on Easter, Jesus would emerge. Um, the only mark of, would be on his body is that of a perfect life and of a perfect death. And the, death, the dragon would be defeated. It's like Genesis 3 predicted, the serpent's head crushed. No dragon, no death. And who was that act of love and of sacrifice for? It was for you. It was for me. And so we remember this act, Christ dying on the cross. On the night he was betrayed, Christ took a loaf of bread and he took it and he broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he would take the cup of wine and he would say, this is my blood shed for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.